This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Goes backwards, forwards. It takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. It was the best time of our lives. Hello and welcome to the Carousel Podcast. Today I have with me Arthur Kwan Lee, who is an artist, visual artist, painter, and um, a, an extremely intelligent person in our space who talks a lot about sort of the denigration of beautiful art and the tension between the feminine energy in the world and the masculine energy in the world. And um, you're the perfect person to have on this podcast. I've, I've been listening to you on other podcasts and I'm just like, man, like you and I are completely aligned. And, and the things that you're saying are um, fascinating uh so welcome thank you isaac i what an introduction <laughs> yeah um the thing i want to like you know it's funny i was uh driving here this morning i went in like to a diner this morning for no reason and we have a bridge here in pasadena called the colorado bridge and mm-hmm. it's like the only pretty bridge in la you know every other bridge in la is just gross like highway concrete uh abomination but there's this one beautiful bridge here called the Colorado Bridge. And I'm, you know, I try and drive across it all the time because I try and like, you know, embrace beauty in that way. But they've built a massive fence over both sides of the bridge. So you used to have this perfect view of this, of the Arroyo, which is like this kind of riverish, like green thing. And there was this beautiful classical architecture going over it. And now, it's all blocked by this giant fence <laughs> because like a couple of people jumped off of it. So like, I, I guess, uh, I, just to, <laughs> I, I just wanted to start there and, and uh, ask you like, um, you know, in your experience, uh, I, I guess you talk a lot about like, again, the conflicts between beauty and ugliness. So um, what do you think about these, this, these like public monuments being safetyized, like by the cult of safetyism? Well, I mean, I'm not going to harp on people uh, being protected from, from hurting or damaging themselves. But I think more of the more interesting indicator of what that implies, this bridge that, you, that you're pointing towards is that the aesthetics of those who follow the you know the aesthetics tell you everything about the ideology and we essentially live under the shadow of modernism and all architecture has literally degenerated to these ugly cubicle-esque flat plane uh non-decorated buildings i mean you see it everywhere um you know you can say what you want about new york city and how woke it is but you know similar to like what they have here around here in downtown old town alexandria it's like at least they have historical remnants of the past that are aesthetically 
presented, you know, and what's happening is, um, you know, art is not, what you see in the art is, it's art is always representation of the time. So the aesthetics you see is representing where the culture is. And in a way it's a sigil. And it's basically telling us, you know, are we in the end times? I don't know. I'm not going to guarantee anything, but it, but art is a sign of potentially swinging that flag. And uh, modern architecture is just so ugly. All you have to do is look at, um, you know, more is better. So when you see these beautiful, uh, lavish designs of statues and, and, and just look at these old churches that you can find in some metropolitan cities that are preserved, like buildings used to be, those used to be pretty common. And now everything looks like these empty gray boxy squares yeah these condos as well and there's a whole history of bridges too right so yeah 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 these terrible condo buildings you know the lomo lomo architecture there's not really a good you know these like these like work play live lofts that all have this same disgusting terrible like lowest bitter cardboard plastic look to them you know just built everywhere now every like every on every corner there's a new one of these awful buildings um yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I, would, I was saying, yeah, I, I mean, this whole this whole tension between beauty and ugliness is, uh, you know, art, all of art is always this tug of war. It's always a tension. And the creative class will always be utilized in one shape or another for either propagandistic purposes or something more sacred. Now, there's obviously in between a lot of gray, but those are the polarities. If we're going to look at the the black and white situation of it. And of course, people can say everything is not black and white, sure, but against certain shades, some are darker and some are lighter. So it's about understanding this. Um, the, the art historically, when you look at the utilization of the creative class, they're always serving something higher or they're serving the state. And even when you look at what aesthetics imply, people can think of something that's genial and, and, and may not be obliquely political or philosophical, like a design of a bridge or a building, but that still is disseminating values. And that still is functioning um, to influence a person and how they're going to walk through life. And in a way, it's actually more effective because you don't have your intellectual guard up when you look at art. So it, it's more hypnotic in that way. So it's important to understand that once you can be cognizant of this, um, aesthetics are incredibly important, which is why we hear these mantras emptily repeated like politics is answered from culture without actually understanding how, well, you should utilize culture and aesthetics. You know, and then you can go real far with that in regards to the culture war. And all this ugliness you see is, is simply a reflection of the fact that the radical left has taken over all the infrastructure, essentially. That's why everything has become more ugly, because leftism essentially, in an aesthetic dimension, is relativism. And relativism means there's no universal standards, there's no structural foundation, there's nothing pedagogical, you don't need to try to capture history. It's all vague, miasmic, it's all interpretive, so anything can be art. Any 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 architecture can be regarded as high classical, you know, <laughs> gothic. It, it doesn't matter. You know, it can, it, it's all up for interpretation. So when there's no standard, you know, no one's held accountable. And it's funny because a lot of these things that we discuss in the space philosophically, they also permeate in the external world of forms, visually, in art and music and culture and when you start to see that connection, you realize they're literally making the world more ugly. Literally. 
So your 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 ride here, this short ride that we had, this this eighty year lifespan that we have is more ugly and less enjoyable because of these values. So that's kind of my thing because I want to enjoy my ride. <laughs> and it it has a certain shape yeah. to it, doesn't it? Right? I mean, it's like you you posted uh, on Instagram this great post of like uh, Maria Abramovich, Madonna. Uh, you know, Sam Smith, like tied up as a as a little piggy thing. And also, uh, one thing that you could have put there was, did you see the new sculpture in New York City? That's like the lawgiver. Did you see that? The lawgiver. The lawgiver. There's a new like sculpture. Oh, oh are, you talking about, are you talking about the golden yeah. woman? Yeah, the golden thing um, that looks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it looks exactly it's, like it's Lilith. eerily similar yeah. to Lilith, which is just freaky. Right. Um, right. But. But, but, you know, I come from this fine art world and, um, you know, I guess what I'm saying is that like the deeper you go down, the more you excavate this world of art um, and, and how it's been so hijacked by these uh, narcissistic personalities that are living in a totally different normative state, by the way, is you start to realize that like nobody – nobody is actually an atheist like everyone either worships an idol or they worship god uh, and then and like this is always there's always a north star that's located in the mind you can be unconscious but you're, there's always something that people are are venerating and what you see in the art industry at least because the art industry is actually the worst because people can talk about you know hollywood entertainment because you have like little Nas X, Sam Smith, like you said, Madonna, Lady Gaga, Kitty Fair, all these people. But the art industry is where the celebrities have their celebrities. So it's not about the numbers or how many followers they have. It's a much more underground occultic world. And that's why, you know, you mentioned Marina Abramovich, you know, and she's like literally friends with like Clinton, Jay-Z, Rothschild, these kind of people. But, um, you know, they're into a lot of dark shit. And, 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 and it always looks so satanic. And I just remember, you know, I, I went artist of the year in 2020. So I began to get vetted by like pretty big galleries. Like I was in Art Basel with HE Contemporary, hanging out with, uh, I, I, don't, I can't, I don't want to name too many people because um, I don't have the finances to protect myself. But I, 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 was, I, I was hanging with all these people and I had one foot in the door where I just, I've seen stuff where I'm like, it's pretty transhumanist. They they're they're trying to just get rid of the uh, boundaries for other people, so that they can feel above them. And it, it's 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 really dark, man. It's um, they're trying to make themselves God almost. That feeling, and and, and I don't think they would ever articulate it that way. But I think most of them they're not like nefariously trying to like they're not like evil people like this. They're just they're just more valueless people. Most well, of them. They're, they're trying to you be trans, they're, they're trying to be transgressive, right? I mean, my my wife works at Hauser Worth, which is a massive, you know, Hauser Worth, right? Huge art gallery. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, deal. we're in, we're in this world. We we go to these parties. You know, I remember we once went to the, the head salesman. So, like like most industries, what they don't actually tell you is that the entire art world is run by salesmen. <laughs> like the people that actually make the transactions have all the power. Oh, and, sure. Yeah. And one of the biggest ones like in the world used to work at Hauser Worth. And we went to a party at his house and it was just like, you know, the whole bathroom is Damien Hurst, like with 
it's like personal gifts from Damien Hurst, like dear, yeah. this guy, like I love you. And, and then like on the whole wall, it's just like guys with boners and like guys giving guys blowjobs. Of, of course this guy's gay. And it's just like, it's just like, imagine being a straight person. It is degenerate. What? It, well, imagine being a straight it's person on your walls yeah. with like a bunch of like sex pictures. Like you'd be mm-hmm. able to, Everybody would be like, what are you doing? So I think that like a lot of it comes from the desire to be transgressive. And I guess like the part that I want to like actually kind of challenge you on is so what you made this great point where you were saying um, art either serves something higher or it serves the state. And when it serves something higher, it generally goes to beauty and to God and everything like that. But when it serves the state, it's going to be ugly, blah, blah, blah. But you also had a, a great comment in an earlier podcast about uh, the Nazis. And when the Nazis rose to power, they basically did everything that the woke is doing now in reverse, right? They like racialized all art. They, um, you had some really good examples of like them reaching out. To- oh, 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 can, can, I, can, I, can I just um, yeah, sure. pick one thing? Just, just, oh. just to, in the interest of, interest of thoroughness, Isaac. Um, I'm saying the state, I guess, because of our current situation, but because you're, you you mentioned the Nazis, okay, well, they were the state then. Okay, I, I guess it's collectivism versus the soul. Uh, I'll be more meta. It's collectivism versus the soul. It's, it's um because, you know, again, uh, you know, I, I guess if you're going to mention the Nazis, it's kind of another uh, political chart, you know what I mean? So I'm just trying to go on with this. It's, that that's uh, I'm just saying the purpose of art is across all mediums, whether you're aware of it or not, it is normalizing values. That's just what I'm saying. And I'd rather have it point upwards because and it, it may and look, this could be uh this is up for debate, but I'm very much a believer that the answers will be looking at the past to resolve the future. I, I believe so. I think there's universal ancient precepts that we can't lose touch with. And when I look at the past, the work that has always moved me has been produced by crazy wealthy Christian patrons supporting it or um, the ancients or, you know, just like, like, I, like I always prefer to go to museums or galleries, for example, you know, and, and people can say, well, you know, you're not, you're not living, um, you're not living in the modern art sphere. And yeah, my guy yeah, left that shit because I, I never liked any of the art, you know? But um, that's just a little nuance point. I, I think it's it's collectivism versus the soul is is more is a more apt way of putting it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and, yeah. and the Nazis would be collectivist in a way, right? Sure, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear that. I think that's a good differentiator. I guess it's just like like I the the thing I um it's like. It's not just that all degeneracy is ugly because sometimes degeneracy truly can give birth to something very beautiful, right? I mean, it's like when when the Nazis, they overwent in the other direction completely, right? Like they they went to like the degree where everything was so hyper-controlled and they were so obsessed with beauty. And I'm not saying they didn't create beautiful things. I mean, look at some of those fascist architecture is incredible. But 
jazz and the kind of degenerate side of it, right? Like the the um, painting outside the lines side of it and the breaking the rules side of it, that also can create beauty in its own right, right? It, like, you know- it, 100%. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't think that's, that's like, um, I think to people who've actually been sophisticated about this, this this conversation this debate like i think that debate is kind of over i mean i think it's understood that like yes like if you look for example you go to new york academy of art right all the artists not all but so many of them because they're painting in such a classical beautiful uh academic modality they, they often are formulaically similar as amazing as they are and that's a problem and on the other end you look at these um, dimensional abstract expressionists who like their styles are always all over the map. They don't understand how to brand. Um, there's not much structural integrity. And you get to a point where it's like, okay, which school of which philosophical approach is more correct? Because you actually look at different art schools, which I'm not a believer of, but you know, for the interest of the conversation, you look, some art schools, they're all about developing your classical formalism. You know, and in some schools are like, it's all contextualism, it's all theory. And obviously it's both, right? Because you don't want, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself into like, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to compute with photography. Now we have AI now and all this, you know, it's like you can show a different vibration, okay? And there's those who are just like, it literally takes no skill. And, and anybody who actually has a skill set, speaking of skill, not, not, not perspective, can master what they do in like a week. Like, 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 you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you're in, you're in this place where it's like, well, what do you sound? Well, I'm a big believer because, um, little, little background to this answer, but, I'll, but, but it'll hit the point on it is, is, you know, I grew up under like this classical background. Like my mother's a composer. She would always take me to ballet shows, concerts, all these different types of exposures to history and art. And one thing you see across all mediums, not just painting, not just sculpting, everything. It's like, you have to learn the rules to break the rules. And I think that is the mantra that artists should understand. Like, you don't want to be a copycat of somebody else. You want to ascertain this ability, understand color theory, proportion, value, all of this. And then once you have that tool belt like Batman, you can start creating your own composition in your voice and, and, and delving into content that you're interested in and, and, and animating, if that makes sense. And that's my belief. And that's, to me, the most philosophical, complete perspective as of now until we see what ai does down the line but as of now that that is the most up-to-date perspective in my opinion um so so, so that that's my belief. I, I think that artists need to um um uh, i think if i have to pick a side you know the formalistic people are i think it's like 70 30 you need technique <laughs> you know what i mean like i'm not a fan of the banana duct tape to a wall that sold for 150k <laughs> in miami i'm not into any of that because yeah. half of that is money laundering anyways. And you mentioned Hollows on Worth, by the way. That's that's one of six big, big spots that, you know, it's like there's a lot of questionable stuff that goes on in regards to like a bucket of red paint and it's titled The, the Blood of Man or something. And it's like it's sold for X amount. It's, it doesn't make sense. There's all this stuff going on there. And like you said, it's, it's a bunch of salesmen running it. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is the reason why the top tier of the art world is a financial instrument well, just that nature, there's a lack of purity in the art itself, which is understandable. But because diamonds and art are unregulated, the rest of the pyramid is going to matriculate with a lot of leftism. 
That's why the, the culture of it, where everyone's trying to get to this point and get and and find their way into uh, the, the festivals, the group exhibitions, and all this. Well, it's going to be dominated with with left leaning people because of the nature of uh, people utilizing it as a financial instrument. And, and I'm not uh, I'm not even harping it, but that's something I've come to realize. You know. Yeah, I think uh, what you say about needing to learn the structure first is really true. It's it's uh, very true in writing also. You know, it's like a, a hack is somebody who tries to write shittily uh, without ever knowing how to write properly first. Yeah, I mean, it's like I'm, I'm a massive Bukowski fan. I've read like everything he's ever written. You read early Bukowski, it's like super flowery. It's like really formally perfect. He's using all kinds of huge words you've never heard. Like he's, you it would, you'd be like, is this written by like a Brown graduate student? Like it's like totally wow. not him. And then over time he learned how to condense it down into like, you know, sure. three words. Um, but he had to do it the first, he had to do it the right way first. You know, he couldn't just go straight to the, to the other thing, which I think is really true. Um, so I'd love to hear what actually happened. Like, what is your path? Like, how did you, uh, you said your, your um, mother was a composer? Yeah, my, my, my dad's a pastor. My, my father is a pastor. Um, he's really into, you know, philosophy and all that good stuff. And then my, my mother, she's a music teacher, but also a composer. She did it at the university level. Um, so I just grew up in this house and, and I often tell people like a good way to explain my background is I'm like a visual fusion of them, <laughs> you know, where I'm like looking for, like I'm looking to visually showcase these, these archetypes and universal um, parts of our psyche uh, revitalize a lot of this as well. And so, you know, I, I, I was never good at government school. I was a terrible student. I was just good at um, martial arts and painting. I was only good at fighting. I was only good at doing things that are so individual. So that, that's where I was really good at. And then um, eventually I went to GW, the corporate. Oh, I went to GW. Department. That's where I went. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, I went to the Corcoran School of Art. This is a small world, by the way. What the yeah, fuck? yeah. Uh, I, I, I went to Corcoran, which, which is which, like the last class before they merged with GW. And, uh, when I was there, I realized already with a taste of it, like, I'm not learning, I'm not getting better technique. I'm learning a lot about, you know, uh, social justice theory. And um, there's a class called Dark Side of the Mind by this gentleman, Pro Professor Welch. And uh, I thought it was going to be like, um, and the unconscious, you know, and how to integrate that into your work symbolically. Nope. It was about the bad white man and systemic patriarchy <laughs> and all this. And I regretted taking that course so much. I should have read the summary of the course, but I just read Dark Side of the Mind because at that time I was listening to an audiobook about the dark side of the psyche. And, and, and then I was like, oh my God, this is serendipitous. So I got <laughs> into the class and I was like, what, what is this? And I debated like every day, these freaking crazy woke liberals. And then when I graduated, I, um, you know, I, I was a starving artist. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> struggling hard, you know, making my rounds in DC, 
realizing there's no art beat here at all in DC. Yeah, there's no art scene in uh, DC at there's all. There's nothing here. There's yeah. nothing. But but you know, I went to school there, so I was like already settled there, you know. Yeah. And I'm hustling, trying to do my thing. I'm doing pop ups. I'm doing shows. I'm doing fairs in DC, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I'm losing money here. And then um, eventually, I was invited to a residency program. God willing, it worked out. I, I I was sending out things all the time, right? Eventually, something will hit. You stick five people everywhere, right? It'll stick every eventually, right? <laughs> and then uh, a residency called the Eileen Kaminsky Family Foundation. It's internationally competitive, and it's like they usually want artists who are on the later end of the career. But um, I got in, and, and and when I came in for the interview, they're like, "Oh, you're really young," and I was like, "Yeah," and they're like, "Oh, well, your work with your work, we thought it was." You know, you're on the older end, so that was really flattering because I was—you got to understand—I was in D.C. just like, like getting no reaction, no, because it's dead here. So when I'm hearing this from this residency, it made me realize, okay, maybe there's some confirmation here. And then uh, I enrolled in the program, and while I was in that program, you know, a lot of galleries will look, always walk through dealers and all this, and um, I got a couple small solo shows. And those solo shows got me into a little bit more bigger shows. And then those little bit bigger shows got, you know, like White Hot Magazine, Art Verge, like certain magazines started to write about me. Um, and I was going out to Art Basel, the show in Scope. And then things were starting to pick up. And then as that momentum was kicking in, the residency program, they decided to uh, start giving out an Artist of the, uh, of the Year award. And, you know, this is a respect respected program in Monica Contemporary in Jersey. They got like a they got like a nice, huge warehouse. I mean, a, like a giant factory for like artists and all this too. So it was a big deal. And then um, they inaugurally named me the Artist of the Year. So that was a, a capstone at that moment. So I just got back from our Basel, got this award. I was feeling really good and, you know, really good high. And I was like, wow, this, things are finally coming together. You know, I'm dating this really, uh, really hot ballerina at the time. Like all these things are coming together. It's cool. I'm having studio parties every weekend. But as all that was happening, um, there's a, now this isn't the whole infrastructure of the art world in New York, but there's a channel that was incredibly woke dealers who like, you know, it's a small circle anyways, but there's different like subdivisions. And there's a, there's a circle that I don't know what it was. Like God, God must be, God must have been testing me. I mean, of course he was, because my values, at that time, I was like a very uh, uh, in-the-closet conservative. I also wore social camouflage. Uh, I was in social camouflage, essentially. And many of the galleries that I, I, I was selling with, and I was working with six art galleries at the time, man, they were so woke. And you know, you spend time regularly if, you, if you're one of their artists. And every time we're getting together, they're talking about Trump bad, you know, all these like social justice issues. And I basically was like just shutting my mouth shut and nodding my head. You know, we're at the wood fire oven pizza place. And I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever you say, you're paying my bills, you know? And I just kind of shut up. And then um, eventually. Wait, wait, did you get, did you get kind of like a pass though for being Asian? Like, do you think they gave you a little bit of a. Did you get a little almost like like, like 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 I'm also like I'm also like um almost so so, so actually I'll, I'll get there it's it's really interesting because it's funny that you say that because um basically I was starting to push back a little bit because I realized if I'm gonna have to be in conversation with these people Isaac like if I'm gonna like be friends with these people like 
and build this career and then this this exposure together, I want to be at least like 50% myself. Like I don't want to always have to like hide what I what I believe in. Um, and one of the girls I was working with, uh, these, there's there's two women in particular. Like, like most of the dealers that I that I lost my ties with, they're actually not like bad people. It was only like a couple of them that were like really toxic in regards to their their like liberalism mental disorder. But um, eventually, I started to push back, and my studio parties every weekend they became gathering places for like classical liberal, conservative, anarcho-capitalist, freedom-loving uh, based people, eventually, Christian Sue. So like, because because of what I was dealing with in my professional life, like the public life was pressuring me in this direction, I had to compensate for that, for my own heart, like for my health. And my pr private life became like, every time I was having these parties, I made them like gathering places for like the Rebel Alliance. It was really funny in new york right <laughs> so we're always hanging out and it was a beautiful thing and i was like okay this is how i can kind of balance it but what that ended up doing is that made me like this two-faced person it ended up making this crazy life where i'm seeing them every week wednesday or thursday evenings you know gallery hopping evenings whatever it is we're always having hanging out and i'm shutting the fuck up being professional and then a couple of days later i'm partying with with people that i respect and we're connecting and bonding so i i kind of feel at odds and eventually that that side that spirit took over and i realized you know what um i don't feel as alone i'm gonna start speaking up and pushing up against the other side and seeing how things unfold and i ended up burning many 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 bridges and so then what, uh, what what happened like specifically because i i basically have the same story as you just yeah. in a different area how did the blacklisting go down is, is what you're asking well well, yeah. well there's a couple there's a couple incidents well, well the first thing is that like you don't get a letter, right? You don't get it. They just ghost you. That's just how it is. Like I was talking to Andrew Clavin about this recently. We're smoking cigars at my cigar club in Alexandria. And, and, and then he's talking about, he's a screenwriter, right? And the way he got canceled was they like, they just all ghost you. They just like kind of like congregate. It's like, yeah, we're done with him. Like that's kind of how it happened. But there was one incident. Uh, it was at a, it's, it, I, mentioned, uh, I mentioned this Woodfire Oven Pizza Place because this incident sort of sealed my fate. Because there's a woman, and she was, she's an up-and-coming gallery, Lower East Side. And she represented, um, like, six really artists. Like, she was very good with the curation. She got some good talent together. We're all sitting here. She's trying to, like, make this, like, Nick Fury vibe. You know, here's all my artists. And you mentioned the Asian thing. This is pretty funny. She goes, so, Arthur, uh, I'm thinking for your next show, we do a collaboration with this artist here. So... This is my black activism artist, and you're my Asian artist. So stop Asian hate meets Black Lives Matter. This is a union. This would be a great show. And the oh, first thing I said, God. I was like, oh, no, I got to understand. You got to understand. I was like, you know, my work has nothing to do with my Korean identity. You know, I'm I'm not an identity politics artist. I'm an artist who loves beauty and wisdom. So I, I don't know if it's a good fit. She's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The fact that you're an Asian American artist and she is a black lesbian performance artist like this, this is everything. And in my head, I was like, she was like, what do you think of that? You got to understand at this point of the story, this is only six months after I won Arts of the Year. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so at this point, this is during the pandemic. So at this point, I'm like, what the fuck? Like I was so tired of this. 
you know, and, and there's like a dozen other parts of the story that led up to me being tired of this, where it's not bravery, Isaac, it's the cup of bullshit is so full, right? My tolerance of bullshit. So I just go, she goes, so what do you think about this idea? Come on, let's get through it. And you got to understand, I'm sitting here, she's sitting in the center. And then the, the, the African-American lady, she's sitting like over here, but she's a part of the conversation, right? There's like different people. And I go, well, I think that it's really odd that Blacks assaulting Asians based on race is white supremacy. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and, and the whole table, because she ran it out this big, this, this big area. It got so quiet. And I was, and, and, no, no, because at that point, I was done. I'm like, fuck it. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I, I, whatever. Like, this will castigate my income. But what, what is this? What is this? I got into art, so I don't have to care about these things. But the world is, has become so topsy-turvy that the space that it should be focused on aesthetics and what brings people together has become a place of culture war. So when I said that, and, and she goes, well, what do you think, well, what do you think about Black Lives Matter? And this is when I decided to not just push back. I attacked her. So I, I, I looked at this woman and <laughs> this is, it's insane. I, I go, I think Black Lives Matter is the modern blackface where white liberals like you utilize the black identity to push your liberal agenda. And then she went, what the fuck? Why did I ever give this guy a solo, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then the, Wait, the what black did she girl. Do, what did she actually say? She asked me what I thought of. She she asked me what I thought about Black Lives Matter like a checkmate, like like, like to kind of put me in my place. And I yeah, just told her that I think it's basically it, like a modern KKK, you know. Yeah. But what did she and, say? And, and, that, and, and that and that was enough for her to basically like, um, just let me know that like you know she didn't say it outwardly, but it was like, well, I don't know if yeah. this is going to be we're going to have a foreseeable future kind of like a, like a professional bushmouth kind of thing. Yeah, but essentially, yeah. it was saying "fuck you," and then um, there's one more big part of the story. But basically, that's at that point, I just ended up getting like ghosted by like, like because a lot of my dealers knew each other. The only one that like, and and, and a big part of the story, by the way, not not the I don't mean to be so long winded, by the way, but um, oh, this is great. There, there was like the, the the I was also going there as all this was happening, you know. I never signed an exclusive contract with any of these dealers because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling my options as I'm moving up. Um, so one of the people who wanted to give me an exclusive offer was, um, uh, well, he was vetting me is, is the guy who's currently money laundering for Hunter Biden's art and uh, <laughs> took me out for sushi and all that stuff. You, you, you know who I'm talking about, right? No, no. Well, don't name any names. Oh, okay. He's got to get out. Yeah, yeah, no, I would mean, care, whatever. Anyways, um, but 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 basically, uh, um, he, I, I it's funny because like, the word was kind of getting around, like, okay, this guy is a, a non woke artist, and he's a general dissident counterculture artist. Because I mean, they would never say it that way, but that's actually what I am. Because you got to understand the dominant narrative, especially the galleries in the Lower East Side at the time, man, like. It's even to this time, even now, like it was all about black power. Like, you know, but now it's all about, it's all rainbows. It's all gay artists right now. So you got to understand to me, the reason why I say it's always collectivism or the soul is because I lived this, I experienced this. My art was always oriented towards the soul. And what do you see? You see all of these 
propaganda branches. Art galleries today are propaganda disseminators because those sigils, like the black flag with the white letters, Black Lives Matter, you know exactly what I mean when I say that. When I say the rainbow flag, you know exactly those are propaganda sigils. That's not art. It's not an invitation to a discourse. And all of those things, that's all, we have to call it propaganda. That's my point. Because it is propaganda. And that's why, like, for me, it's like when, when I left the New York City scene, um, the first thing I realized was, like, this is why more people don't speak up. Yeah, this is why. Because because the middlemen are controlling. That story you just told, like, just boils my blood because I know exactly the type of person you're talking about. And they're just this blind ideologue. Right. And they're forwarding their agenda all the time. And then you 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 chat. And this is fucking art. Art is supposed to be questioning, especially in these people's heads. These people are boomers. Right. Their entire ideology is rebel, (laughs) rebel, rebel, rebel. Like we're rebels. We say what we believe. And then as soon as you say something that is not completely in their little safe zone in their mind, it's like, oh, uh, well, we need to talk about whether this is going to work out or not. And, you know, that type of thing used to scare me and infuriate me so much until, like you, I basically eventually just said, all right, my job is to destroy these people. <laughs> you know, like these people are Beautiful. my like, like, cause I'm actually really an artist, you know, like they're, they're living in this world of cognitive dissonance where they're pretending they're a rebel artist, but then they're constantly forwarding their really small minded agenda. And, um, you know, it just, I think it's, it's so- just, it's just pure narcissism. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. It's yeah. narcissism and it's, um, yeah, it's just, well, that. Well, what, what, what I like to say, because this is a very relatable point, um, what happened to me, it's not atypical. And, 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 and what I mean by that is that like, I've often thought about until I went through this experience, when you experience it, you realize like, why do not, you know, why don't people stand up for what's right? You know, at a, at, why don't they scale this? You know, the people feel this vehemence, you know? And I, I actually understand why they don't. Like, I'm not saying they should still be quiet in the corner. On the contrary, but I, I'm just putting out a hand of empathy. Like, I understand why people don't speak up now because, you know, it, it's one thing to be hated. And I think as men, we can toughen our leather and it's a part of growing up. It's fine. That means you set up for something. But it's another to be hated and poor. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and I think I think often what people, what I've come to realize is that, like, the moment I spoke up, I lost all my financial uh, abilities. So I had to rebuild and it was really debilitating in that regard. And I began to understand, I'm like, like my brother and I, we often talk, he's also very based. And he's like, yeah, if I speak up, this HR lady can kick me out. And then I have to look at my my daughter. And I'm like, yeah, I understand. And he, and he and when we talk, having cigars, he's super based and he's freedom oriented. And I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, now I understand because this is me without having kids. This is me without even having kids. I'm like, I have to now start over because the woke have controlled all this infrastructure and they can just kick you out. So it's just a very important point because so many people who are listening to this conversation, you know, I, I mean, you know, we can really relate from where they're coming from. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, so it's funny for me, it was actually having a daughter did the reverse. So I I had her daughter and before I was doing like you kind of playing both sides, going in and uh, I had a daughter and I remember I had a job, you know, in the in the longhouse at that, although it was actually a a male longhouse, but it was the same thing. It was constantly forwarding this fucking agenda. And uh, I remember just like sitting there and I didn't have my office then. So I was like working from home all the time. My daughter was just a baby. And I was like, you know, towing the part. I wasn't agreeing, but I was just like not being myself. Right. And I wasn't saying what I actually believe. And I remember just thinking like, man, I would rather my daughter see me be poor my whole life and spe- say what I actually believe and to stand up for what I actually am than to see me cower in this way, you know, for, for like a couple of hundred, yep. like, oh, 200K a year. It's like my soul is worth more than 200K a year. You know what I mean? Like I, it's like you're gonna have to pay me at least two million. <laughs> you know, then then I'll show you. Well, I, I mean, I, what you're what you're waking to is that the real goal, and this is how you know if a person's like salt of the earth, like people you want in your circle, like the real, the real gold is honor. Like that's what makes a man. You know, like like and I I I paint so much masculinity, and it's like, it's the honor. It's like you believe in this, and no amount of money can change this. Like you actually believe this to the point where. Even if you were to put in a position to abuse power and and get away with whatsoever your lascivious side can entertain in front of you, you don't because you actually have a unmovable integrity and honor. Like like that is um, you know, you lose your money, okay, then you can build it back up. You know, you lose your time with some friends, okay. You lose your character, you're fucked. Right. And that's the worst pain, really. The worst pain yeah, yeah, yeah. losing. Like, I felt so much part more of my friend, there probably, yeah. then, you know. I think um, that's also part of the, the economic backing of all this that you were just talking about, which is honor really intimidates the globalist class because it's not money. You can't own it. You can't buy it. It can't be exchanged. Like there's a really good example of this in, do you know, airport lounges? You ever go to like an Amex airport lounge? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So like, I mean, I, I love Amex airport lounges. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, but it, it, all those lounges used to be like men's clubs. So they used to be invite only. So it used to, all every one of those used to be like you had to have social capital in order to get in, not money. Like it was your reputation that got you into all those airport lounges. And then some guy uh, who was like a total asshole, a really annoying person who just wasn't invited in, but he was really rich. He was some kind of like merchant class type of guy. He sued for discrimination. And so all those airport lounges had to be buy-in. Wow. Buy- honor right and so it's like i think that they, they want to monetize everything they want to monetize every single relationship so that nobody has to have any qualities that they can't control right because honor is something that yeah. they can't control because it's not like there's no dollar sign mm-hmm. absolutely yeah um th- th- this is uh, th- this is why like to me a big part of the solution for the culture is is revitalizing well depends how deep you want to get into it but 
at the surface value level, revitalizing masculinity in a positive way. That's that's why this was a big um, push for me, you know. And uh, like you just saying that it was a men's club that changed faces to becoming this Amex yeah. <laughs> uh, circle. Like, 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 doesn't that say everything right there? You know, yeah. what we're like, like, like the tip of the spear should be our integrity and everything else should follow in that wake. And um, yeah, I, I mean, do you agree that like what's, what's lacking, and this is something I think about often, it's like, what is lacking in our culture is a wholesome, benevolent ideal towards masculinity. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think you've, you've uh, talked about this guy Unwin. Oh, J.D. Unwin. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. So who is that? And what is that's like <laughs> kind of along the lines of what you're talking about, I think. Yes. So, um, there's, there's three signs of a, empire and its decline okay so the first one is when a society claims the death of a higher principle or order and for our time it was when Nietzsche said that God was dead in the gay science right and Jordan Peterson has reminded us that this has already been claimed just so you all know the second sign is the sexual liberation of women because what will happen will uh, hypergamy will no longer be culturally enforced and enforced monogamy is a part of social custom and that'll yeah. be thrown by the wayside and yeah. uh yes yeah, so, so basically jd unwin this is number two of a civilization of decline jd unwin wrote his magnum opus in um uh in, in uh, 1986 i believe uh, and he studied 86 different cultures that were recorded through five thousand years of history and he saw you know, but the Mesopotamian cultures, the Babylonian culture, um, the Romanians, uh, all of them, they basically were patriarchal societies. And once they all transitioned to matriarchies, they all fell because um, the men no longer had the social impetus to want to even protect their nation and maintain boundaries because everything's free and liberated and relative so that the outside force can come in and just disseminate them and destroy them, right? So, so that's a, that's the second part, and we're definitely there, and it's very obvious that we're there, you know, because there's like how often do you find uh, an eighteen to twenty five year old girl who's who's a virgin who's above a six? Yeah, never. You know what I mean? It, 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 it doesn't exist anymore. It, it, it's, it's just it's just it just isn't there, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, and. and so, so hypergamy is on steroids, which means that it, it's incredibly destructive for society because the optimal arrangement for a civilizational means to build upwards are the nuclear family model, where one man has met one woman. Even if they're even if they're high value, even if they have a plethora of options, it's it's better for the society. So there is like a greater good thing. If you are a high value man, like understand that by participating in hookup culture, you are actually degenerating the society. Well, like you're signing you up for your own. Problem. You're signing up for your own demise, right? If you're if you're promoting it, yeah. Right? Like if you're you if you keep it hidden, you're doing the right. If thing. you're practicing it as well, right? You know? Yeah, I mean, and you shouldn't like, practice. Like, like you got you got to understand, Isaac. Like um, like um, like when I went artist of the year, and now I, I and this is a this is a moral flex I'm doing straight up, and when I had these exhibitions, like 
there'd be all of these girls. Think about it. You have a storefront gallery of all your art and there's like, you know, 120 people and it's about you. There's literally girls there who just were like offering themselves to me. And I would say no. And it always perplexed him. And they'd always say, gay, you know, uh, <laughs> you, you hate women, whatever it is. And I'm like, okay, yeah. it's fine. You know, but I'm like, you see what I paint? Like, do you see what I'm painting? <laughs> and, and, and it, but it would always pick it up. But uh, we're definitely, we, we have the second box checked out. And then the last one, which is, I guess, uh, the most interesting is uh, you read Roger Scruton. The last sign of a society in its decline is the desecration of beauty and rewriting history. And we're kind of there, we're right on track, you know? And it's very terrifying because it actually stacks perfectly with our friend Yuri Bezmenov's notion of demoralization, destabilization, crisis normalization. Like it's actually a part, it, they stack very well. And um, it's almost like all these brilliant people are studying the cyclical nature of history and they're just articulating it from different vantage points, from biology to philosophy to sociology. And it kind of makes sense that like there is order and a proven model, which is, Man and woman having kids together, pair bonding, delayed gratification, long investment. You know, that's my, and and while we're at it, we can have beautiful culture around us, and then we can celebrate together. Well, that seems to work, and then you get to a point where they're so free, and in that abundance of freedom, the ultimate arrogance and play God, and basically say like, we're so free that we're going to exercise the freedom of making problems. And literally, we're now falling from the inside out. And, you know, it's every great society. And this also applies to the United States. If we fell, we will fall from the inside out. You know, when you look at the Roman Empire, when they fell, you know, they had the Ottoman Empire took them down. The general was a 24 year old and his army was one tenth the size. He didn't beat them from having a stronger army or better strategy. He beat them because Rome was in shambles at that point. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like they're in such chaos that they didn't even want to protect their 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 walls. They just let them come in at that point because the society is so degenerate. They they're in such collapse that you know everything run them up. And um, it's it's hard, but the bottom line is is uh we need to find a way or build the steps to cut off welfare, abortion, and enforce monogamy through the church. Because then we, within a couple of generations, things can be satiated. But essentially what I just said, those three things we have to cut off, it's all under the blanket of feminism. Feminism just has to die. That, that's the hard reality, the black pill reality. But feminism, uh, we live in a Ghana such a feminist society. And I say this, like, I, have, I love my sister. I love my mother. I love women. I love women. And, and, and I hope to have daughters. But feminism is like the ultimate narcissistic brainwashing program <laughs> that is destroying all intersexual dynamics you know what i mean so yeah. um my my wife yeah, yeah my wife's family is like super liberal obviously and i found like little feminist books in my daughter's uh in my daughter's like bookshelf that i was just like threw them right in the trash no i i completely uh, agree with you it, it, the, here's the the issue with what i'm I, the the thing i want to like Sure. just challenge you on again is 
Okay, so we have Unwin, we have this other guy, we have John Calhoun's Beautiful Ones experiment with the mice, this exact same thing happens. It's in mm -hmm. mice, you yep. it's like a cyclical thing, and then boom, it crashes, it becomes feminized, it becomes gay, you know, all yep. these things. If this is true, and obviously this is happening, I really like the rewriting the history thing. I'd never actually heard that before. And, you know, Orwell's work yeah, is all about it. So Animal Farm, 1984, that's all about rewriting mm -hmm. history as you go. And it's such a, like, communist instinct to do that because there's no truth, right? There's no honor or to return to honor. So we, anything we say, it's all relative. But if we're here, and this is obviously happening, do we have any examples in history of any society saving themselves <laughs> from this faith? Because it seems like, like it seems like in each of these instances, the society was just doomed. To like, you, you know how scary good. this is. It, it's very scary, man. It's very scary because all eighty-six, none of them, <laughs> none of them were saved, and that's the scary thing. And I'm not being black belt. I'm just saying uh, what the evidence is in front yeah. of us um because it's like it's like trying to get it, it's like it, it's it's very challenging to get women to relinquish power you know what i mean like 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 when like try to get a woman rationally right to understand a disagreement just one just one right now try to get 160 million women to go back into the kitchen and, and and convince him it's because you love them which is why like 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 <laughs> like, yeah. like you know what i mean like try like totally. it's it's, a, it's it's very difficult so um like honestly like it's i hate using the term collateral damage because i mean no disrespect by that but there like a societal sort of collateral damage may need to be instituted in a way like we need somebody even this this is going to sound insane to the to dominated but we need somebody even more trump than trump like a fearless warrior king who's willing to just go into martyrdom like we're getting to that point because um like there's somebody it needs to be willing to swing the sword and cut the head off the beast and go through a couple generations of hell but it is worth it for our project so, so it's it's challenging, but are we willing to do that work? And it, it's if we're not willing to do that work, if we don't have somebody who's like, you know, um, got to be super super heroic, where the people can give that power. If we don't have a brave heart moment, which seems far fetched, you know, because the people are just not together, then um, the only other option will be a certain civil war where the, the people who may not be very religious are going to have to, but are, are you know, anti-woke and are not a part of the agenda and are not plugged into this matrix system are going to have to go with the Christian people because that's going to be how the numbers will play out. You're going to have to go with the based Christian Bible Belt folk. And of course, I understand, like, I don't want to live in the Bible Belt because I like being around culture and you know, there, there's there's challenges to it, but at least those people are the only communities that are willing to stick their middle fingers to the authoritarian state in a fearless way at this at this point. You know, and, and again, like uh, in a way, like you know, the first the first claim was the death of God, right? Well, what if we go to people who still acknowledge and honor God and <laughs> submit to ultimate authority? 
well, like I'm I'm pretty liberal for those people because I'm an artist and and you know like I don't have a beard and 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 all this stuff, but <laughs> to them I am. But I'd still rather deal with those people than the ones who will put me in a wall and shoot me if they got power, you know. Absolutely. That's 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 a that's a long winded thing I said up, but but um, you know, every no matriarchy has been able to be reversed. I guess is what I'm saying, and and it's very scary. It's very scary because, you know, I'm sorry to say it, but you know, the Bible was kind of right about female nature, you know. Well, it's you know, I yeah, I think you're completely right. It's it's basically just. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, you're saying like we need the Red Caesar. This is a big like Curtis Yarvin thing. It's you know that's the only thing that can save us is is a is a Red Caesar who's going to come in and yeah slice the head off the beast and completely disregard uh, any of these fears. You know, I mean it's it's so funny because in in every other generation anybody fighting this stuff was completely ready to go to jail. You know, like the the even like Tolstoy and uh, those guys in the, the those Russian writers, a lot of them went to jail just for writing this stuff, you know, and that a hundred couple hundred years ago. Whereas our guys yeah. were so risk averse, you know, I mean, we can't even get people to show their faces. You know what I mean? And it's like that. I'm not you know, you know what? We, we are anti, risk averse, you know? Isaac. Wait, what? I'm sorry, please. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I just want to be clear because clear, people will get on me for this, but I, I'm not saying I'm anti-Anon. I'm very pro-Anon, and I, I like what the Anons offer very much. And I totally understand why they do it, but the ability to be Anon uh, has certainly emboldened the left, right? I mean, it's certainly made it so that they can dominate every single sphere because when we're afraid, when so many of people like us are splitting ourselves, right, which you and I used to do and then stop doing it, but we're in the minority. You know, most of the people who are like us are still splitting or they're doing anon, they're hiding themselves, they're kind of not really speaking out. And if they weren't able to do that, uh, the the beast would have a lot less power because there'd be more of us yeah. back in, in every single circumstance. You know what I mean? And that fucking uh woman who is doing the you know your dealer who has all the power who's like oh yeah but go with the black person you know like she would not have any power because people would be like screw you you know um yeah. but so i don't they know gotta get the balls back they gotta what? get their balls back yeah right right that's all it is and, and and listen when i say we have to get our balls back we understand what they mean in slang you know go that's right but I mean, it should be more than clear that, you know, you know, this idea, be the change you want to be in the world, right? Be that guy, get jacked, take care of your body, protect your, your family, you know, be an example, you know what I mean? Be strong, be honorable, like, that's great. But, but you know, it, it, and that's what we should all be doing. But it, so that's, that's at like the mark, that, that's our, our individual sphere. But you look at now from a birth of you at a larger sphere, what does that do? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's like, like you said, we're so risk averse. But if you look at the three most canceled figures in our time, they were the opposite. And, and this is why I believe masculinity is the solution. Because you look at Donald Trump, Andrew Tate, and then you look at Ye. 
And they all represent unapologetic masculinity in a public square that demonizes any semblance of, of masculinity. And in a way, they, they, the reason why they're pushed is because they're swinging the pendulum in other directions far, right? Because a wholesome, honorable man is not the norm anymore. But that needs to sort of come back because that was keeping culture in line in the first place. You know, once that was given up, that's how the death of God can be proclaimed in all this, right? So, so, so it's funny because that, that, that cycle is in a way such a universal truth that bad times make strong men. You know, this idea yeah. of strong men make good times, good times make weak men, weak men make bad times. Well, it's such a shame that once men are given the opportunity to be soft, we end up letting go of order. And our, our hope to fight back are men like these. These are the type of men we venerate because of that, because at least they're masculine and they're willing to be brash. They're willing to be direct. They're willing to be blunt. They're willing to take the front of the force and they're willing to at least speak truth to power. Even if they may not do it in the most proper way sometimes, even if they're not, um, they might be more lascivious often. You see what I'm saying? But at least they're doing that dimension and the people will acknowledge that. So what does that tell you? Well, we need to, we need to be masculine as well because that's really what's lacking. And that means uh, being a man today in today's Western climate, it is being a defector of the dominant narrative. Make this very clear. If you are a man, if, you, if you're walking with balls, you are not to be liked. But then you're a man. That, that's just where we are. It's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and it's... Uh, you know, it's uh, um, th there's so much work to be that needs to be done, but the most important thing is doing it at your own local sphere, being at that influence where people can go like, like damn, like, 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 like the weak people should be saying, man, Isaac is so toxic. <laughs> they are, you know, and, <laughs> they are saying. Don't worry, be like my it's man. Definitely, you know, I appreciate you, and I'm and I'm also doing this. You know, yeah, <laughs> um, that's how it should be for everyone listening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Wait. Yeah. So, okay, let's finish up. I want to just ask, how is it going now? Like, like when you got kind of pushed out, what do? You, how have you continued to make art? Like, are you finding collectors? Like, what are you doing now? What's the infrastructure like? So I'm 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 independent now. So I'm I'm to be fully transparent. Um, and I, and I and I laugh because even with what I'm about to say, I'm free of those constraints, free of the slave mind. So I, I'm I wouldn't have it any other way. But you got to understand when I had six art galleries, six art dealers, I can just make art all day, and you know, two. And it's usually more than two. Sell a painting, even taking half of it every month. Like it's that's I can just be a painter all day. So I'm in the place where I'm rebuilding now. I don't have a dealer, so I have to. I'm learning the business in a way. In a way, it was I was sheltered, so it hurt me. You know, what I mean, my success hurt me in a way because I didn't learn a lot of tools of the trick. I was actually late to social media too, believe it or not, because um, I was in the old world. So I'm rebuilding that, and uh, you know. It's odd because I'm not just an artist. I'm also in the culture wars because I believe that today, if you're going to be a dissident artist, this idea of a dissident creative person, you also have to have one foot in the culture wars and speak up and stand up for what is right. You can't just make powerful art. You have to also speak up. So I have one foot in each door. And, 
you know, those of you who want to support me, um, you know, you just go to my website and you can go to the support section, you know, and, and, and I'm trying to build that up because, you know, an artist to get to the point where they're able to do like world tours and do a, like a lot of culturally influential exhibitions and, and really inspire people. Well, they usually get patrons. You know what I mean? Like we said, Marina Abramovich, well, look at her patrons, Clinton Foundation, <laughs> Rothschild, you know, I'm never going to get that stuff. So I need to, I need to be the artist of the people. So I have been working on a biblical series and I've produced uh, seven out of 12 paintings. And what I like to do is go on like an exhibition tour to revitalize Christian aesthetics, to address some of these issues that we're talking about through the arts. So people can experience it you know, in a very analog way. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not going to call my art dealers. They're going to be like, what the fuck? You know, hang <laughs> up on me. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm just rebuilding that right now. And, and you know, it's like if people want to support my art, you know, they can, they can just uh, contact me and, and purchase my art directly. They can go on my Instagram and, and follow me there as well. And, um, uh, yeah, my, my, my two projects I'm working on is one is the Blood and Fire series, which is small paintings that are masculine imagery that I'm putting at a more affordable price point to scale it with a certain color scheme. And the other is a biblical series. But other than that, I, I take commissions. Um, I have works that are available as well as I'm continually painting. And it's enough for me to you know survive and keep building. But um, what I want to do is I want to do uppercuts to the radical left industry <laughs> so so you know <laughs> just you know i just need, uh, you know it's 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 funny because uh you know great art does require great patronage and the left is so good at that and coming you know i am a defector of that world and i've always noticed that you know um i mean i mean just think about it isaac when, when you see when you see the when you see the conversations in regards to culture, people on the right, they're always, you know, spreadsheeting pie charts, you know, data and facts and all this. And that gives us perspective and that's important. You know, beautiful. But the left, they don't they don't even care about that. They know they'll lose. So they just have ownership of big tech, academia, Hollywood, art gallery, entertainment. They just own the infrastructure. They can inspire people. Yeah. And they can just raise people who are analogous to their morals. Well, Thank God we have things like Substack, The Daily Wire, Rumble, um, Comedy Mothership with Rogan recently. Like there's things coming up, thank goodness, but we're still not there to compete against the Leviathan. We're not no, anywhere not close. Not even to that. close, so, man. I mean, um, it's, we're so far away. And especially in the art world. Yeah. yeah, we're not even close. So especially in the art industry too. So I'm kind of at the point where just to be transparent with your audience, I am building. I'm always building. I, I'm at the point where like, yeah, I mean, I, I need support. You know, um, I'm, I'm living, man. I'm, I'm not a starving artist, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm against, I'm against, uh, with, with, it's kind of David and Goliath, you know, but, um, it's all good. I'm a gangster. So I'm right there with you, man. You know, it's like you're, yeah, exactly. you exchange, yeah, you, it. You, uh, it. you exchange kind of like a rotting of the soul for like just a constant low grade anxiety. You know, that's like, <laughs> like back when I was like a mainstream copywriter, you know, and I was more, you know, making a lot of money. I would have like yeah. 
overwhelming despair at certain times. But also on an average week, I'd hit the gym every day. I'd go out with friends. I, you know, I wasn't like worried because I just had money flying into my bank account. Whereas now I'm scrambling, hustling all the time. I have a constant like low grade, just anxiety running through me, but I never get that despair anymore. You know, I never, I never like wake up on yeah. Monday and just feel like overwhelming, like sadness and oh, not or just overwhelming like anger. I never get. You, you know, you're not participating in evil. Right, right. I mean? I'm so that, much that, nicer. That's what it is? I'm like way nicer to people. Like when I was doing that, I was so mean to everybody. You know, because I was like fighting them. You know, I was fighting the wrong person. I was like that's fighting the people point. around me. You know, whereas now I know who I'm fighting. Yeah. You know, I'm fighting that woman who tried to pair you yeah. with the BLM person. And now it's like, okay, well, now my anger is directed towards her, right? Not like the people around me. So it's it's a it's a better yeah. existence for sure. Um, wait, so yeah, yeah, last... you know, you know, I gotta say that's a really good point. Like, I I've, I've become this nicer to people just yeah. because I'm more free. You know, right. I, you know, what I mean, like your wallet might take a hit, but your heart doesn't. <laughs> you know, and, and it's um, yeah, it's just uh. Yeah. I, I I love real shit, man. I I, I love I, I love people who who care about the good, the true, and the beautiful, man. Yeah, you know what I mean, like that. That's 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 like all I care about in life. Like trying to spread in the culture, and you know, if I have to, you know, like we said, how we've been able to reverse these societal collapses. Well, if we are in the decline of Rome, I'd rather go down fighting still. yeah rather go you know down I, mean? fighting, like, right. I would still rather i would still rather go down you know samurai style go down fighting for go down swinging man it is what it is because at least at least you maintain who you were right yeah so, at least you stood up for what was right if we're all going to the same place anyway i also don't think we are i think we're uh i think we're dealing with like a short-term fight which we're gonna win and then a long-term fight, which ultimately will destroy America. I mean, look, America can't last forever, right? So it's like, yeah, I, I think I, I think actually America is going to survive this communist takeover that we're experiencing. But then later, we're going to have to deal with like true globalism, like a true global government. And that's going to be a whole different. I mean, by then, the world will be so different that, you know, we won't even, it won't even be recognizable, really. Um, It'll wait, be a but, completely but, different dialogue, yeah. Yeah. So wait, last question, and then I'll let you go. Uh, so when the the collectors that you did sell to when you were like artists of the year, I'm assuming a lot of them were very like woke type people. So when they like, they didn't know anything about me. Yeah. So when, once it came out, did they like burn your <laughs> art or like you know? Like I whatever? I have no I have no idea, but yeah. I will tell you uh, uh, another challenge is that like when when I say I started over, I don't think people understand that like. All these art dealers, um, when you get a sale, those are their collectors. It's it's anonymous. You just get the check. You know, so I lost ten years of those collectors because because they, they don't. Some of them reach out to me, but the, also the fact is that like even new potential collectors, like it's funny because I looked at the my Instagram numbers because you know you can look at insights and all that kind of stuff, and I started to look at some of their profiles, and it's like. Believe it or not, seventy percent of my following is like they're uh, they like my art and they're in line with what I say. The other thirty percent, they just like my art and they want me to shut up. So sometimes somebody will be like, "Oh, I like your art," and they just 
do a quick YouTube search or Google or whatever. And I'm like, I'm on InfoWars, I'm on a Daily Wire, you know, like I'm on Censor.tv, you know, whatever it is. And they just go, um, never mind, I don't want anything to do with your art. So it's like, I've had those instances. I've, I've literally had like, this woman wanted to get on a, on a conference call with me. She talks about my art, we're talking about all this stuff. And while we're talking about my art, she's looking up me while we're talking. And it, there's like a photo of me and like Gavin McGinnis and or whatever it is. And she's just like, like, can you explain this? And it's just like, all right, I just lost a sale after 45 minutes talking to this woman. So it's funny because yeah. like, I don't want to be a person who just sells to like a certain demographic, but like I am who I am. And you know, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not, I mean, I'm just being real. Like, like I'm just making the, the art, challenging myself with making art better than my last masterpiece, always competing in this regard. And I want to save the West. And I guess that's a big complex for a lot of people. Well, they're that, gonna, that's, that's been my challenge, you know. That's so funny that she's looking at you while I think we can all experience that that fear of them like finding the thing when you're about to make a sale. I have, I go through that all the time. Um, but I mean, I mean, I mean, yesterday I was like, like this lady contact. She's like, oh, this is big gala, and it can give you exposure and all this. And I'm like, I appreciate that, but I have to reject offers often, and it's not because. Uh, it, it's not pretentious like the art world today. It's, uh, I don't, I'm not continuing that streak. It's literally because a quick Google search of Arthur Colney might be bad for for negative by wasting my time. So I just always make sure it's a good fit. Like, you know, like uh, do these people have the right context and philosophy for my art and who I am as a as a person for it to be a good fit? Like, it's uh, it, I got to be really cognizant of that now because like you know a lot of the gallery elite they hate me you know they they, they box me out and you know i want to be like you know i, I mean i, I want to be able to like blow it up but on my own and my thing is just by my story and, and what i've had to say to these degenerate narcissistic people like i am the counterculture artist you know there's there's no other way for you to be counterculture today because G.K. Chesterton was right. It is flipped. You get to a point where orthodoxy is new punk rock. That's why, like, Christian conservative-esque kind of people, like, they're the most, like, like you know, back then you wear a leather jacket with metal spikes and you get soda cans thrown at you because they think you're, like, a punk rock guy. Well, go walk around with a MAGA hat. Yeah. You get the same effect. So, so yeah. the, the, the punk rock, the dissident artist today, the counterculture artistry is standing for what's right. And being yeah. and also being jacked and you know there's all these other things that make you more formidable with it but uh that's the the, the philosophy is that like again gk chesterton was right it has flipped he said there will come a time where orthodoxy will be the counterculture and we're here we are here like we have clown world topsy-turvy this whole narrative where if you want to be a dissident counterculture artist you have to stand up for what's right and tell them to go fuck themselves yeah so, <laughs> that's where we totally are you know? yeah yeah it's pretty wild you know but um um but I, I think i think i'm uh i've embraced it you know and i think the fact that my father put me into so many martial arts and all this has made me like a warrior with my brush now instead of a katana i put it down i have a brush though <laughs> like a ronin thing going on but um yeah that's that's i i believe that um this is the way and i hope other artists can also understand that you can be dangerous you know right. like legitimately dangerous legitimately uh challenging oh yeah 
Right. And would we really want it any other way, you know? Um, cool, man. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Uh, this was really, really great. Um, yeah, I'll send people to your website and, um, yeah, any, anytime. Come on. This was really awesome. Thank you, brother. And, and, and I, uh, I appreciate your content as well, man. Keep, um, let's, let's stay on the fight, brother. You have, you have a new, uh, new person in there in the trenches with you, but yeah, with a brush, not writing, but, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. brother.